Do you know that quote? You could start with the truth is like a lion. What's that quote? If you said it free, <laughs> maybe I should know it. <laughs> it will, if it comes back to you, it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> and if it doesn't, it was never yours to begin with. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. The truth That's is another like mug. If it comes back to you, it's yours forever. <laughs> Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 61. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about imposter syndrome. Even after writing 11 books and receiving several awards, writer Maya Angelou still felt that, quote, I've run a game on everybody and they're going to find me out, end quote. From Albert Einstein to your neighbor, experts agree that imposter syndrome is a real experience felt by many. Perhaps you have even struggled with it yourself? But what exactly is imposter syndrome, and how can we stop it from running rampant in our lives? Let's put things into a little bit of perspective here. But first, if you enjoyed today's episode, we ask that you take a minute to rate and review the Modern Lady podcast on Apple iTunes or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Not only does your review help our podcast stand out, it also makes us incredibly happy. We love reading your comments. This week's shout out goes to each and every one of you that took the time to comment on last week's episode called The Light in the Darkness, which featured my testimony. I was overwhelmed and truly humbled by the women who messaged me with their stories, so similar to mine and yet unique. I had no idea what to expect when we recorded that episode, and I felt nervous all week leading up to its release. But I should have known that like with everything in my life, God had this and that he would use this opportunity to continue to help me grow in humility as I realized that my story is just one of countless comeback stories of redemption and hope. I know the sad reality is that I will likely never have the chance to meet many of you in person, but that doesn't change how real the feelings of connectedness are that I feel towards each and every one of you that took the time to message me. We really read every single comment and I carry all of your stories within me because we truly are all united in the body of Christ. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. Well, Michelle, I have fallen down another rabbit hole, or should I say bear den, because I want to let our male listeners know that the way to prevent balding is by the daily application of bear grease, which is the brown fat of a bear. So the science seems so simple. I mean, too simple. Bears are hairy, and so their fat must help stimulate hair growth. We have lots of evidence that the Catholic mystic Hildegard von Bingen highly recommended bear grease and its popularity soared then all the way through up to the Victorian age and it was manufactured right up until World War I. But as often the case with beauty products, you really don't know what you're getting and it turns out that bear grease is just quite often hard to get over in England. So most of what was sold was pig fat mixed with some essential oils to make it smell good and some green dye for appearance. 
In order to convince buyers that they were actually getting a real deal, some sellers would keep a bare skin, bare, you know, of their hair, their bare fur, laying over a pig carcass so that customers thought that they were looking at an actual large piece of bear. I'm sure we can all agree that this product would do next to nothing to prevent hair loss, but like with many natural fats, it really can make your hair look shiny and healthy. And we do know that many Native American tribes did use authentic bear grease on a daily basis on their hair. Michelle, if you're tempted to acquire some bear grease, you should just really know that it's Russian bears that have the best brown fat, <laughs> as was recommended by all of the Victorian manufacturers. Okay. And I mean, if bears are hard to come by in England, Russian bears yes. would be even more so. <laughs> yes. I would just imagine. Oh my goodness. When you were talking about um, that it was actually pig fats mm -hmm. because it was so hard to come by. Mm -hmm. When you first started this conversation, I was like, yeah, but is it really bear fat though? <laughs> and then I, I was just wondering, when did I become such a skeptic? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> A short video on imposter syndrome hosted by the TED Talks website ends with the admonition, quote, you have talent, you are capable, you belong, end quote. They touted these as simple truths we should all know and remember. And so it makes one wonder, why is it so hard for so many of us to accept this about ourselves? Right, Lindsay? Yeah, so... The surveys kind of show that 70 to 85% of people experience this at some point in their life. And what was really interesting is when they did the survey, only 25% of the people surveyed had any idea about the syndrome. So it's not like they were faking mm. it or making themselves believe that they had it. And this conversation stems from, again, last week's episode, um, because I a lot of the theme of that episode is that when I became Catholic and I was sitting in the pews every day, and then the more work I was doing kind of in the Catholic social media world and writing for some Catholic publications, I kept waiting to be found out. Like what you're saying with mm. Maya Angelou, right? Like I kept mm -hmm. thinking, oh man, when they really find out the real me, they're not going to want me to speak about Catholicism. And then when I was bombarded joyfully by so many private messages from you listeners after hearing that episode, I realized, okay, everybody is feeling this because so many of you had similar backstories and some heartbreaking stories. And you also sit in the pew every week thinking, if only people knew the real me, right? Like you're, mm. you feel like you have to hide yourself. And so that really got you and I excited, Michelle, to look into this idea of imposter syndrome, because it seems to be something everybody's talking about right now. Yeah, it's a really hot, hot button issue and um, a real tag word, right? Yeah. Or as I just, I just say, it's a hashtag right now. Yes. yes. <laughs> imposter syndrome. And that's kind of seems to denote how popular it is in the current conversation. Um, but yeah, so we, we kind of took a look at this from a few different perspectives, but maybe we should just start, um, for those of you who maybe haven't heard of imposter syndrome, um, is there an actual definition? It seems more like a psychological um, thing right now, right? There is. Um, it was actually coined in imposter phenomenon in 1978 in an article called The Imposter Phenomenon in High Achieving Women, Dynamics and Therapeutic Intervention by Dr. Pauline Chan um, Clance and Dr. Suzanne Imes. Um, so imposter phenomenon was simply described as the feeling imposed on oneself that regardless of how hard someone works and how well they do, 
they aren't worthy of their success and fear that they will be exposed as a fraud. That's the difference. It's not just thinking that you're unworthy of your success or why is, why are these good mm. things happening to me? It's this fear that you're going to be exposed as a fraud. Right. Okay. As per this first study, many believe this to be an issue in the lives of very high performing, successful women, women with very high levels of um, education, women that had reached top levels in their companies. And this was also seen a lot into this day in minority populations who aren't used to necessarily reaching those levels of success. And mm. so they just, again, feel like they're not worthy of it when they look at their peer group because they've kind of grown or risen above their peer group. But we have found out that a lot of men really do suffer from this as well. But again, the initial studies really focused on highly successful women. Yeah, you know what? I didn't realize there was so much information out there on imposter syndrome, and I've just been finding it really fascinating. And you actually sent me one of the episodes of the Deliciously Ella podcast yeah. where they did have the episode on imposter syndrome. Did you listen to that one? No, I didn't. I just sent it to you. <laughs> Too many okay, to well, listen to. Yeah, I know. I listened. So mm -hmm. between the two of us, we cover everything. Right, right. Um, and she she was referring, the guest they had on, she was referring to uh, this Dr. Valerie Young, who did a study, um, uh, as many people have <laughs> since then, on imposter syndrome. And she found that it really depends on different people, different personalities, uh, how you feel it. So this yeah. was just a really interesting tidbit. And so maybe when we're talking about the generalized definition of what imposter syndrome is, if it doesn't quite click for you, but you also suspect you might have experienced this phenomenon, um, she talks about how it could depend on your how you feel about your competency, right? So there are different types. There's like the perfectionist. So you need everything to be 100% right. Otherwise mm. you feel a fraud mm -hmm. or you're an expert. So you need to know everything about everything before you even begin. Mm. And if you don't, you're the fraud. Uh, there's the soloist. So uh, nothing counts unless you've done it on your own. Oh my goodness. These are um, all me so far. <laughs> I want to say, like, we got to tie these into the temperaments. I'm just seeing a book waiting here for one of our listeners if they want to write a book oh, about your temperament and imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so interesting. Maybe okay. it's me. Anyways. Yeah. Sorry. Keep <laughs> I'll going. I'll get to yeah. writing. I'm fascinated. Uh, and there's <laughs> two more. There's two more. There's the Superman or Superwoman mm -hmm. who feel like every area in your life needs to be perfect or mm -hmm. you're a big fraud. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is a natural genius. And these are the people who feel like everything has to be done right the first time and come easily for them the first time. Otherwise, they're a, a fraud. And so I found it so fascinating that even in this, we can all feel the same thing, but it still is so dependent based on the lens and the perspective you're coming at it from. It's also really dependent on different situations. So you might not fit into any of those categories, but sometimes mm -hmm. imposter syndrome is triggered by life changes, like a new environment, um, an academic setting. If you're going back to school or you're starting at a, you know, a more prestigious school and you think I'm not worthy of this, or even looking at my daughter starting into grade nine and having to choose which level of courses, right? Like if she's, mm. which, and, and then thinking, well, I, I can't handle this, um, in the workplace, either you're starting a brand new job or you've been moved into a different position, uh, social 
social interactions where you walk away from that going, oh my goodness, I was such a fraud in that conversation. They're going to see right through me. That was so awkward. I've had those. (laughs) And in relationships, if you're starting to, you know, date somebody new and you just keep waiting Mm. for the other shoe to drop, that they're going to find out who you really are and walk away from you. So you Mm. might not be struggling with a superwoman complex or a perfectionist, but then in one of these situations, you'll succumb to this imposter syndrome. Right. So what we're saying is we all feel this. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's like, I think we've just described in the last five minutes every person in the yes. world. <laughs> and I think that it's being heightened by Instagram, particularly, even more so than sure. Facebook. And so I found this to be really interesting. Yet another female doctor, we're referencing a lot of the work of female uh, doctors <laughs> yes. here. Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo wrote a book called Goodbye Imposter Syndrome and Better Than Perfect. Okay. First of all, I thought better than perfect. That's possible. I, I have a new goal. <laughs> okay. So um, she talks a lot about how Instagram is really impacting so many people's lives. And she said, and I quote, many people post pictures or quotes that represent their ideal self. They want others to see them in this positive light because they want to see themselves in this positive light. However, once you put those posts out there, then there is the sense that people might think that this is your normal, especially when people make comments like, you're so beautiful or how lucky are you? And that is when imposter syndrome starts creeping in. Your inner critics start screaming, you're such a phony if they only knew. So we kind of Mm. create it for ourselves Mm. on social media, right? And so we kind of create this beautiful looking life. And then when people compliment the beautiful looking life, we start feeling really bad about the fact that we created a beautiful looking life. But what I find really interesting is that they took that article and they said, though, it would be really beneficial for everybody if we could just all acknowledge right off the get go that social media and especially Instagram is truly a snapshot of our best moments. That is Mm. what it's for. No Mm -hmm. one would scroll through Instagram if it was all sadness and negativity. So when we all understand this and like really understand that, we should be able to step back and view it and appreciate it for what it is. And then by doing that, we can also relieve ourselves of the guilt of wanting to just share things that are are those good moments and just enjoy it and and then not cycle back and think that we're a phony because we're all in it together and this idea that we know we're sharing these best moments. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because you're right. Like these things aren't bad in and of themselves. It's just the way that we've started to use them are not really conducive to like uh, a healthy perspective on reality. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can only do your best. And I think that if we're really honest about how we're doing that, and if we truly are putting in 100% in our own lives, then we can have self-compassion. Then we can go on these like Instagram sites or pages or whatever and appreciate them for what they are, right? And we won't have that comparison issue because you can sit back at the end of your day and say, wow, I worked really hard on my particular goals and my particular, you know, ideals and values. And um, that was a good day. Yeah. And so you're bringing it perfectly into the next thing we want to talk about, which I believe, and you believe that there's a difference between imposter syndrome in a psychological and secular sense. And then there's a different kind of imposter syndrome that we feel as Christians and as Catholics. Mm. And so like what you're saying, if you're doing everything to the best of your ability upon self-reflection, um, you can, you know, crawl into bed at night feeling like you've good, done a good job. Well, as Christians, if we are truly living a life in accordance with God's will, if we're really mm-hmm. being prayerful and discerning what God's will for us every day, 
and, and living up to that standard that he has set for us, then I truly believe it's impossible that we could ever be an imposter because we're not measuring ourselves up by worldly standards then. So, right. right? And so we, if we fully acknowledge that there's only one judge at the end of the day that matters, yes. then we just live up to his standard. Now, of course, that's terrifying. And it's, <laughs> it seems like the, in a different way, <laughs> right? The hardest thing to do. But when you start to shift your framework into being the person that you know God wants you to be, it actually becomes incredibly freeing because mm -hmm. I only have to worry what he thinks about me. Yeah. And I love that whole idea of how can we take the pressure off of mm -hmm. us, right? Mm -hmm. And and even to go along with that too, to acknowledge that the whole point of faith, the whole point of the church and the gospel is that we are not perfect, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Otherwise. Oh, what need have we of salvation if we're all just perfect people sitting in the pew, right? So you can sit there and think, oh my gosh, if these people only knew. Mm -hmm. And if you can acknowledge that everyone else is probably sitting there thinking the same thing, because that's the reason why we're there. <laughs> yeah. In fact, actually, you know what? I think the question you can ask yourself is like, am I an imposter? And you can only be an imposter in the faith. If you deny that you are a sinner and you yeah. need a savior, like yeah. that makes you the imposter, right? Yeah. Not the other way that like, I'm not perfect enough or I'm not good enough. No, that means you are authentic. Like you're living in the reality of our situation, but you could be an imposter if you think, no, I'm good. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I want to talk about that a little bit more in a minute um, about how true humility works. But like what you're saying in my mm. notes, I have written that the church is a hospital for sinners. And we don't know mm. if it was Dear Abby said that it's often attributed to her in one of her columns or if it came earlier from St. Augustine or some attributed to a, a longer quote by St. John Chrysostom. But that message remains that the church is a hospital for sinners. And when everybody was sending me their messages, that's what I was so overwhelmed with. And I realized that in the Christian concept uh, context, it's the devil whispering that you're not good enough. Mm, it's it's not even coming yes. from within us. It's the devil whispering in your ear. You are, your sin was too big to be forgiven. Who are you to speak about God? You're not a theologian. You have no education on this. You're a new Christian. You don't get to say any of this. Um, mm -hmm. You're never going to be like those other Catholic women. Look how holy they are. I bet they've never done the things that you've done. And mm -hmm. that's the message I kept getting from you guys after you listened is you felt the same thing. And that's what I felt. And so it's an imposter syndrome in a whole different way when that, when we're not only struggling it within ourselves, but then you have this voice whispering that in your ear and that voice is not of God. That is not what God whispers to us. Mm -hmm. You know what? That's so funny. I was just talking to my mom and she was telling me about a homily she heard at mass last weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, the priest was talking about temptation mm -hmm. and about that voice that whispers in your ear, right? And I think it was a different context, but I think it fits here too. Um, the priest was saying, you know, to the devil, you sh just shut down the conversation. Yeah. You can literally just say, I'm not having this conversation with you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and like, um, mentally or spiritually walk away like i don't know if you can, <laughs> can you say walk to the corner of the room <laughs> can you say new phone who dis <laughs> <laughs> sure oh that's exactly it though like uh i'm sorry i'm uh, i'm not available right now yeah i'm not yeah <laughs> don't Lindsay, leave a message <laughs> yep Lindsay no longer lives here right like you yes. don't get to have a say over me and yeah it's just oh my gosh when we have that power he mm -hmm. doesn't have that power yes. over us. 
and you know what it's it's true we all fall for that like mm-hmm. at various times of our lives right and i think the lie is so effective because lies lies are so effective because they always contain just just enough truth Absolutely. to make you question its validity right yep. and the truth is actually so if the lie is that you're not worthy of this you're not worthy of his love you're not worthy of the love and respect of others either the truth is that on our own apart from god we don't earn his love we can't possibly earn his love we cannot ever make ourselves worthy of his love so that's the little tiny grain of truth that's in there but it's incomplete right because um our that struggle is made perfect in god even that he is all the more brilliant because we struggle with this and he loves us anyways for who we are and what we're trying to work so hard on so it's that whole being able to discern the truth from the lie Mm -hmm. and shutting down the lie when it first kind starts creeping up into our into our psyches So if you're listening to this and you not only have your own voice telling you that you're not good enough with imposter syndrome and like a demon on your shoulder whispering that you're also not worthy of anything that's happening to you, and you perhaps were raised with a parent that maybe fed your heart with that or a spouse or a relationship that also told you you weren't worthy, where do you find your value? Like, how do you even get there? Right. And so Mm -hmm. I know it seems so simple when we're like, well, you're a child of God, or there's those memes where it's like, I'm just going to straighten my crown because I'm the daughter of a king. And again, old Lindsay would have rolled her eyes so hard at that because (laughs) what does that even mean? Sure. Mm. I'm a child of God. That feels good for about 20 seconds. And then you're right back to feeling miserable. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about in Luke chapter five, Um, So Simon Peter is astonished when he witnesses the miracle of the fish when the day after uh, a day after not catching anything, right? They were having a horrible day out fishing. Jesus boards the boat and he asks the exhausted fishermen to drop their nets again. And they're like, whatever, Jesus, we, we know fishing. We're not going to catch anything. Whatever. (laughs) Direct quote from the Bible. (laughs) It was written in red. No, that's when Jesus speaks. And then they lift up the nets. And of course, miracle Mm -hmm. happens. The nets are just bursting with fish. In that moment, you know, Simon Peter jaw drops, turns back to Jesus. And for the first time, he really sees Jesus for who he is. He calls him Lord then. He really sees it. But what's really interesting is it's also the first time he sees himself, how Jesus sees him. Like there's this whole thing that happens in that moment because he turns to him. And when he finally acknowledges who Jesus is, he then sees himself. And that's what happens Mm. when we look to Jesus, because then at that moment, Simon Peter falls to his knees and he says, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. So this is in, this is not one of those friendly memes that circulate that tell you Mm -hmm. it's all good. You're the daughter of a king. I mean, that doesn't feel very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the thing is, I think when we, especially for new Christians, we expect to see ourselves in Jesus's eyes and that it's going to be all wonderful, especially in this happy-go-lucky version of Christianity that's so obviously popular right now. But the truth is, that's not how we're going to see ourselves if we're really cultivating an authentic relationship with God. We should then 
as soon as the light is shone on us, all of the shadows, all of the darkness is going to come out. You don't see that darkness, right? When it's mm-hmm. all dark. But when that sunlight comes in, you see the handprints on the windows, you see the dust yes. in the corner, um, and you see all of that. And that's what we should see. But when we approach this with true humility, as you grow in spiritual perfection, you'll realize that humility isn't just also beating yourself up and going, I'm so right. bad at all this, right? Um, it's, it's really with perfect justice seeing yourself as how God sees you. And in that, Mm -hmm. you can go, yeah, you know what? I'm really good at this and this and this and this. And I see that God gave me these things as, as gifts. And it's okay to feel good about those things. Just like it's okay to put those slightly edited Instagram pictures up. It's okay to celebrate those things. But at the same time, you can go, yeah, but I am struggling with this and this and this and this, and I need to grow in these areas. That is what true humility is, is accepting the good and the bad, and then realizing both things come from Jesus to help you reach perfection. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, an acknowledgement of this, and even when you're comfortable, a sharing of that, mm-hmm. um, even with the people close to you in your life, this could solve going back to your episode again last week with the whole hypocrite problem. Mm, yeah. Right. Um, because I don't think any of us, you know, set out to be hypocritical as Christians. Yeah. <laughs> but if we're not willing to admit how much we need God and why, you know, um, then it is only the, the only snapshot that the world sees of Christianity is that everything is lovely and perfect and sunny all the time and if you don't feel like that there's no place for you here right which is not doing a service to anybody even to ourselves as we're learning exactly bringing us down and it's not leading anyone else to christ and i see this in the early christians we've talked about the early christians right and what made them so effective in um telling others about christ and it was this bold testimony they would go around and they would tell people how wretched they were yeah. and how desperately they needed God and how he, how he's working in their life or how he has worked in their life. St. Paul mm-hmm. is a prime example. We have codified in the Bible, mm-hmm. St. Paul talking about this whole conversion. And um, I really think like this has so much ties to spiritual warfare because if the devil through these whispers can make us take ourselves out of the game by convincing us that, you know, we don't even belong on the battlefield to begin with. Yeah. Well then, you know, that's like half the battle won, half our force is out. One of my favorite things that Fulton Sheen ever talked about was our capacity to do good or evil. And he used it as like, he drew it as a scale. And so if you're in the middle, right. And like, let's say you're swinging a pendulum And it goes really, really far to the bad side, to evil, to the person who's rotting away in solitary confinement in prison because they did the most heinous crimes. Well, if you swing Mm -hmm. it really hard that way, the momentum of the swinging can actually propel the object as that that far of a distance Mm -hmm. to the good side. The other side. The other side. And that is Saul to Paul, right? That's Mm -hmm. even some of the things Peter, who denied Christ... Then yes. actually to proclaim his love for Christ. So you can take the absolute, and this is, this is the good news that you can take the absolute right. worst <laughs> criminal and he can become the greatest saint, or you can hover in the middle, but that's not what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to just be that little bit of a pendulum swing to a little bit of bad, to a little bit of good, like really mm-hmm. push it. But this gives us that hope. And so there can be no Paul without having been a Saul. And One of my absolute favorite things about the Catholic Church and the things that really led me deeper and deeper into understanding the faith was reading the lives of the saints. When we just know them as saint so-and-so and and saint so-and-so, and and you actually haven't read their backstory, 
you, you don't understand the whole before part of them becoming yes. a saint. And I can't tell you how many times um, on my newsfeed, because I follow so many Catholic things, I would see that saint of the day and I would think, oh, I don't really care to click on it, but I kind of forced yeah. myself to click on it. And then every single time I was completely blown away by their story and they have come through the most like horrific circumstances. And mm -hmm. so I don't feel that there is a, a representation of that, like a, a flip side of that in the secular world. We aren't given stories like that. You can only find those types of stories if you study the lives of the saints, unless you can mm -hmm. think of something, Michelle, but I really can't. All we read is tabloid, tawdry, um, you know, just rumor filled mm -hmm. information about people, but it's really only in these books on the lives of the saints that you can read more of these comeback stories, these stories of redemption, where the worst of the worst people became the highest in the courts of heaven. You're right. I have always loved the lives of the saints. I, I find them so compelling. And I really love that, you know, you can find, I think, stories in the secular world, but um, not many of them are true stories. Mm. And that's where it's different. Like in the Catholic church, when we read of these saints who have overcome things, like there's a saint for everybody yeah. out there. Like yeah. you think you're the first one going through whatever it is you're going through. Uh, there's a saint for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and that they, they won, like they triumphed that yeah. they won the crown and that's what makes them saints and that they are still active in our lives, praying for us that we're all in this together. Michelle, you and I have talked, you know, many times personally about how we feel like some saints are like following us around, right? We're yes. like, kind of like, not today, <laughs> oh, Saint yeah. Teresa, not today. Like they're just kind of, <laughs> they like just, I know they're gentle, right? They're just gentle, right. except unless it's Saint Padre Pio, but whatever. Um, you, you feel them kind of near you and they're like, hey, pick me today. Like learn about me, <laughs> read some of the things I wrote. And I'm like, I'm too busy for you, um, yeah. Saint Francis de Sales. And then as soon as you click on them, and again, if you read their mm -hmm. life story or you read some of their writings, it is incredibly edifying. That's mm -hmm. the purpose. And they are like you're saying, they're just waiting there for you to be like, and it's not boastful. They're just like, hey, I was this broken. And then this is what happened. And so if you liked what you heard from my story, it's there's there's countless stories like that available to you. And mm -hmm. so just take the time if you've ever felt like you keep seeing a saint's name popping up somewhere, whether it's on churches you're driving by or a school. And you're thinking, I need to know a little bit more about who's a, who's a Saint Michelle that would usually pop up. Saint Maximilian Kolbe. There's just mm -hmm. so many that are incredible, right? That are just oh, kind of yeah. just hovering around. Say, Jason always jokes that his is some random Satan from like the 12th century, who's like Saint Kevin of Trent, who's like, hey, hey, I'm Saint Kevin of Trent. I want. Can you learn a little bit more about me? <laughs> oh. He'll <laughs> be like, I was one of uh, St. Anthony's compa um, companions. You know me. <laughs> I was one of those and companions. Yes, and companions. <laughs> Jason feels like those are the only ones that reach out to him. Um, <laughs> but even laughing about this, it has this family feeling. We are yeah. part of this family that is ever ancient and ever new. And so we have these incredible resources at our fingertips. And so every time you think you're an imposter or you're faking it, you are clearly not alone. The secular world, the psychology behind it tells us that, and the church tells us that. So don't listen to the voices, whether it's Satan's voice, whether it is something that your grandparents said to you, something an ex-boyfriend said to you, what you're saying to yourself, those voices, they're, they don't matter. 
they don't matter. There is only one. And if you want to hear more stories of that, look up to the lives of the saints, but just really ask God how he sees you and listen to what he has to say, because I think it's going to surprise you. Okay. It's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? <laughs> I'm still in a ni- early 1980s TV streak. So many of you will recall my absolute love of murder she wrote, which I am still mar- working my way through. So what I've been loving is a new, new old TV show on Netflix from 1984 called Highway to Heaven. Have you ever seen this, Michelle? You know what? No, I actually haven't. Maybe I have in passing in the in the past, but no, I don't recall. Oh my gosh! Okay, <laughs> I know of it though. I know. Yeah, it, weird. It was one of those shows it. that used to be on at dinner time when I was a kid, so I never really mm-hmm. paid attention to it back then. And honestly, I probably would have skipped past over it now. But the thing is, and I'm going to hearken back to our entertainment episode. I have learned that as God gives us a distaste for entertainment that we shouldn't be watching at the same time he helps us appreciate some of the nerdy things that we might not have watched before we actually start Mm -hmm. to like other things right and so highway to heaven again it's all of its cheesy 1980s michael landon and his glorious haircut in this show you'll know if you see it and um victor french who also was on little house in the prairie with michael landon it is just the sappiest, most emotional, you're going to cry every episode show of an angel on earth trying to do God's will. And, you know, his gruff retired cop buddy who, who goes along for the ride with him. And it's aside from a little bit of shifty theology, um, it's just a really (laughs) great show with great lessons. And once my kids laughed through the first five minutes of the clothing and the just you know, overall look of the early eighties show. They're totally into it too. They love this show. Mm. So highway to heaven is it's emotional. It starts conversations with your family because they deal with very heavy topics, but it's a great show. So I'm watching it on, um, on, on just repeat right now. Wow. That sounds awesome. I will watch it now. There you go. (laughs) And what have you been loving this week? Well, okay. So first I have to say, I'm slowly catching up on all of your recommendations from the past (laughs) few episodes. (laughs) It's been a busy time. We haven't been able to watch a lot of TV lately, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but we did just finish watching The Biggest Little Farm (laughs) on Netflix, that documentary. And you are correct. All I do want to do is move to a farm now and plant 75 varieties of fruit trees. Yes. So I'm working on that. Um, but also what I'm loving this week is a really simple recipe that was shared by, um, listener and friend Jenna Garnon. Mm-hmm. This is, I think her third podcast appearance. <laughs> she, I don't know. She I'm keeping should, we'll track just add her at some point. Yes. I wanted to I make this too. Good. I know what you're talking about and I looked it up, so I'm yes. dying to know how it went for you. Okay. So she, yeah, last week she shared a recipe on her Instagram account called the African peanut stew. Uh, and it's actually a recipe from Oh, She Glows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I tried it a few nights later, and it was everything I didn't even know I needed <laughs> in a dreary February dinner. <laughs> Great. It, yeah. What I what I like about it is that it's, you know, obviously it's warm because it's a stew, but it's also warming because it has a little bit of chili or optional cayenne pepper you can add to it. And it's like a back of the throat heat. Mm. I'm not usually one for spice, but I found this spice was like just the right amount. And even my kids, um, I might put slightly less in next time for my kids, but 
even they still managed it. Wow. So, um, yeah, I was really impressed with them, actually. Now, Jenna pointed out that, that she blended it mm-hmm. for her texture-conscious kids, right, with the chickpeas and the tomatoes. And I'll point out that I'm also like a five-year-old when it comes to that. So <laughs> I'm going to have to blend it for myself. But I'm really excited about this. And actually, I might too, only because um, I did think as I was making it, uh, and I forgot that part when she spoke about it, but I was like, Jenna's seemed like creamier Mm -hmm. than mine. It seemed more like a creamy soup. And then she mentioned, she's like, I blend it. I'm like, oh, yes, of course. Mm -hmm. Forgot the blending. So either way, I think it's really, it's probably delicious, but um, definitely for maybe more of a soup feeling than a stew. Um, blending it is a huge option. Um, so I actually found this on the CBC CBC's website, um, and it feature it was a feature recipe. And the benefit of that was that um, this seems this seems uh, a small inconsequential thing, but unlike some food blogs, I didn't have to scroll oh, for yes. five minutes to that find the recipe. That is not inconsequential. <laughs> that is <Okay>. huge. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I'm also loving that this week. Mm. So, <laughs> so yeah, if you're looking for a great, um, just as we're finishing out the last vestiges of winter and so that now the wet, dreary kind of winter, um, the African peanut stew via Oshi Glows, I recommend that this week. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time. Thank you.